Welcome into the Sporting Pod, along with Mauricio Ruiz and Tony Allegretti. I'm Cole Pepper. Before we get into our topic today, which is comparing the differences, the old compare and contrast between USL Championship and MLS Next Pro, I do want to remind you to become a member of Sporting Jacks. Just go to SportingJacks.com. It is absolutely free. You can sign up to be a member there. You can get discounts on club merchandise, special invitations to uh, special events, as well as a chance to be entered into uh, options uh, with chances to win different prizes that we'll have throughout the course of the coming weeks and months. You can also sign up to be a season ticket member there as well. It's all free, except for your season ticket deposit. Just go to SportingJacks.com to get going. All right, I will say that this topic we are going to jump into here is one that I have probably been asked about more in uh, my time uh, working with Sporting Jacks than any other, and that is the difference between USL Championship and MLS Next Pro. And, of course, the Sporting Jacks men will be playing in the USL Championship. Jacksonville Armada play are going to be moving up, they've announced, to MLS Next Pro. Uh, but these are two different leagues. The differences in them and what the expectations are going to be and what people will see, what we're going to talk about here today on the Sporting Pod. So let's start first with on the field and sort of from a soccer standpoint, Mauricio. What is it that uh, is the differentiators between USL Championship and MLS Next Pro? Today, there's a huge difference. And I think it's always the context is always important. You know, we're, we're talking about professional soccer in the U.S. that it, in this new era, post, you know, the previous NASL with the Cosmos and Strikers when Beckham Bauer and Pella were here. We're talking about this new generation, the Beckham Messi generation. You know, MLS is about to do, you know, complete 30 years in, 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 in 2026. So and then every league underneath that is still forming and formulating. So where we are today in 2024 will look different by 2026 in all aspects of this, the pyramid of, of U.S. soccer. Where it stands today with USL Championship and really USL League One underneath the bracket of USL as a league, um, these two leagues are more senior level leagues, right? You're talking about senior football. A lot of players in the USL Championship are playing CONCACAF, they're playing Gold Cup. Players have played senior football internationally and they're coming back to the U.S. or they're being recruited by the U.S. Um, to kind of either end their career, they still have a little bit left in the tank. But these are African players, European players, you know, Scandinavian players that have played at a senior level at, in their country. Um, and MLS and, and domestic-based players that are just right on the on the cusp of being either a roster player in the MLS or being a starter but maybe not getting enough minutes, and they kind of fall into the USL Championship. So you're talking about 25 to 35-year-old senior-level players with a track record of senior football where they would have options. Where that sits within the MLS Next Pro today is, today is a developmental league for the MLS teams. It is a reserve team to the point that even that's what they're called. A lot of the teams that are in it, it's Orlando City 2, it's Inter-Miami 2, it's Philadelphia 2, right? It is their second team. And the way that they've positioned their second team is to refocus really just on their academy. A lot of these clubs will have removed their under-19 academy team because the investment of, of keeping a full U19 year-round compared to selecting the best prospects of that U19 age group regionally pulling them together and actually putting them to play against older players, which 
it's what they would do. So if you look at the MLS Next Pro roster today, it's composed of 16 to 19-year-olds and sprinkled in with a few academy players that have grown through their system, maybe went out to college and are still being looked by their first team. And so they'll have a few 21, 22, maybe 23. But you remove those kind of older age players, maybe a handful of them, the average roster age is about 16 to 18 years old, you'll say. All right, so we should also point out that there is a structure in U.S. soccer, as there is in any um, uh, league, about first division, second division, third division, and so forth. That is important in some regard for some things, but um, in some regard it doesn't really matter, second versus third division, uh, other than the resources that are there and the approach that the, the, the clubs and the ownership takes in terms of, of what they put into it. There, there are restrictions in terms of size of stadium and uh, and some other things. But um, MLS Next Pro is a currently the third tier of U.S. soccer. USL Championship is the second tier. USL 1 is also considered a third tier of you of the U.S. soccer pyramid. So we'll just keep that in mind as we, as we go forward. But, Tony, you've had some experience – from, um, well, I'll call it a fan side, a yeah. fan experience in terms of, of uh, uh, MLS Next Pro and of, of USL Championship. Uh, give me your experience on that. Front. Yeah, we were talking earlier. I, I, I basically tried, I was in New York not long ago, um, maybe a year, maybe two years ago, and was trying to go to a Red Bulls 2 match. They, I knew they were playing at home. Um, there was no information online. It was really difficult. I ended up calling them, and they were they were like, well, we don't really usually have you know attendees to the match. And I was like, wow, I, I honestly didn't realize that. I think that's changing and changing in a good way because now you have – um, new independent teams coming on. They're not just the, the you know, the sort of um, uh, youth of the MLS top team. It's 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 these um, independent teams like Chattanooga. Chattanooga, that's a great organization. I know those guys. Um, that's going to be a real asset to um, Next Pro. Of course, we've got local uh, Armada. They'll, they'll be in it. They're going to, um, I think, in a lot of ways because they're going to be able to sign top players and won't they won't be sending them off to a um a you know the a overlord team or whatever mm-hmm. an owned team um they they should they should do well in the league right because they're going to have mature players and they're going to have top level pros kind of like USL1 you know on that on that third tier but um it'll be it'll be really good the other thing that i really like about it is that it expands the um the soccer landscape i mean part of the thing is is that um we have cities and towns big towns that are huge soccer towns that don't have pro soccer right now i think um the addition of mls next pro doing independent teams helps some of those um towns like if they don't go usl1 or uh usl championship Maybe it's not quite a challenger city, um, but there's there's some amazing cities. Like I always love the fact when we talk about um, Chattanooga. Chat, we we know from our market research that there's almost three hundred thousand soccer enthusiasts in our area, in our demographic, uh, in our market, and um, Chattanooga 
is about that size, like a little over 200,000 people total, mm-hmm. not just soccer fans, right? Total. They are going to have an MLS Next Pro and a USL League One, and they're going to support them. They've had two pro teams for a long time, and um, they're a fraction of the size of Jacksonville. It's something that I think is really good. It's good for everybody. I, I, f- I feel like um, smaller uh, cities around us could eventually have pro teams in, in, in the um, eventual um, U.S. Pyramid. So I'm, I'm very stoked for it. Uh, I, I want to be able to go to matches, though. I think that's going to be – I mean, Armada fans travel. <laughs> You're not going to have a, a match where you can't let them in. I mean, mm-hmm. you gotta, you got um, to figure out how to do that. But, um, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I'm glad that we're going to have high-level soccer. You know, it's, it's interesting, too. You talk about um, the – you know, what's important for the twos and Bs the, the uh, reserve teams, the second teams for these MLS clubs, they're entirely focused on developing players, trying to get players who are ready then to step in and be a part of the ecosystem with the MLS team. With an independent team in uh, MLS Next Pro, there's not that there will be a little bit of a different focus. There's probably more of a focus on winning, one would think. Certainly in USL Championship or USL League One, these teams are not these are not minor league teams that are feeding up to, uh, uh, you know, a, a higher level team winning and putting on a winning product, putting on an entertaining night at the at the park are what is going to be important for all the USL uh, ecosystem teams. Um, and so you know, we've we've talked before about some of the things that that are raising the, um, you know, that are more significant in terms of the resources like and we've. This has been said many times, the expectation of building a 15,000-plus seat stadium for Sporting Jacks. Um, that, I think, and I've said this before, once we can unveil these um, renderings and kind of show the plans of what the stadium is going to be like, I think people will see very clearly what the goal is for Sporting Jacks from a presentation standpoint mm-hmm. and from a, a resources standpoint. And obviously, we're going to be going for championships. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the championship part of it is important, right? Because, you know, and I'll keep it on the field. It, it's important that clubs uh, work together in that pathway, in that development. Um, as, as you mentioned, the, the independent clubs, right? We still don't know. I don't think any of the leagues are done contemplating their growth. I think, once again, in two-year time, five-year time, the USL championship will look different. Right, it is growing. The League One will look different. The structure within the USL family will look different. Like they've already made a public announcement that we are very much contemplating, and they were having conversations about promotional relegation. So the landscape within the USL will look different. And if MLS is anything, it is a a quiet, you know, reactive league. Like they are proactive in what they've done as well. And and you talk about you know a little bit of the controversy in US Open Cup trying to remove their teams, like. MLS are going to try to continue to evolve and escalate what their product looks like from the kind of ground level zero in like on local markets. Every club have partnerships across their landscape and across the world and certainly should have within a local community. If our club um, is is the Sporting Jacks is that senior level club, but still trying to identify local players, not every local player, youth local player will be able to play within the USL championship productively. Some, they're going to need a place to play in that under-23 kind of general league. So their Armada is a great place for them because they're going to be competitive, like Tony said. It's going to be a good product. And then vice versa. 
they're going to have an emerging talent that might be ready to jump to a more senior level football. Consider for national team caps and in Olympics, they're going to need a better proving ground for them to play against senior level football players, right? So I think that partnership and that 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 organ that understanding that it's about the growth of the game, right? It's about the development of your, of your town and how you continue to grow the game in your own city. And if we can keep that on the field and we keep that understanding, but still rivalry, and if we ever get to play against each other, US Open Cup and whatever it might be, then at that point, 90 minutes, right? Like no friends, shut it down, open up later on, we can go have a beer and off to the match. But outside of that, there has to be a sense of community that soccer does bring when you talk about development. You talk about a rivalry, and Mauricio, you were involved in the River City Rumble rivalry when mm-hmm. you were the coach at JU uh, with UNF, um, and that, of course, is across all sports, and while that may not be the same as, you know, uh, it may not have as many people involved in it as, say, the Jaguars-Titans rivalry or the Florida-Georgia or Florida-Florida State rivalry, um, that's a great rivalry, and mm-hmm. any time JU and UNF got together, it was something significant from a sports standpoint in this town, and I would say across every sport, it raised the level of expectation, and Tony, I can tell you just from when I was working in Channel 4, when JU and UNF were playing in basketball, that was always a, a, a focus. Mm-hmm. Almost nothing would trump that from the top sports story. We would usually go live from there, and uh, you know, if the Jaguars had made a move or something, that was a big thing. That was something we always focused on covering. I can see the same kind of thing developing from a soccer rivalry standpoint. Again, it will be maybe once or twice a year, maybe if there's a friendly or something else, but um, uh, a a USL championship team and an MLS Next Pro team in the same town playing, I think can develop a great rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And we should have a, a city cup. You know, mm-hmm. at least, I mean, there's so many uh, Florida clubs coming on, USL aside, but I guess, you know, and uh, the um, next pro as well, we, we should definitely have a uh, state cup and um, leave it all on the field. We'll settle it on the field. That's right. You know, that's, how, that's how you want to do it. Um, one thing, though, and I just want to clarify, if you're a um, next pro, like, B team, you don't you don't get an invite to the, to the Open Cup, right? Like so, if you're if you're uh, if you're within the MLS structure, so Orlando City B right. would not play, but the yeah. independent uh, MLS next they pro do. team. Yeah. Will, yeah, okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. So the the, uh, the teams like Armada or some of these others, Chattanooga, Chattanooga, and, uh, uh, dearly departed Rochester would, would have been one of those. Although yep. they're not in the league anymore, um, to have those opportunities to come in and play, um, and, and that is a little bit of the rub. And part of this, we could do a deep dive and probably get a little in the weeds on the roster uh, ramifications of um, moving players up from your twos and Bs up to play in a um, in an open cup game and so forth and that's you know that's been part of the stated uh, pushback from MLS is that they're overstressing the roster with when they have their league fixtures and now leagues cup uh, matches and which is again yeah. uh, a new uh, never, be- never before this past year, thing has been invented. Um, uh, but so, just you know, talking about which players would wind up where it gets kind of into the weeds. But having those independent teams that are in that league, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how it all develops because you're probably going to have Mauricio, as you say, talking about the ages of the players in the, in here. If you're talking about having 17 and 18 year olds playing for you know, Red Bulls 2 or, you know, uh, Portland Timbers 2 versus an independent team that may have 
the 21, 22, 23 year old players. That literally is men versus boys mm. in that situation. Well, and I'll give you a great example, and I think it's going to start the trend um, now because there's some evidence to it, right? We're talking about the Clemson center back. Uh, there was a freshman All-American. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he turned down a generation Adidas contract because in the conversation with his agents and, and the teams in MLS, he would have most likely either sat on the bench of the, of the first team or to get minutes, which is what, what the reserve team is for, he would have moved down to the, to, to, to the reserve team. And that's probably a good option to a lot of players. But if there's a high potential caliber player, such as he was, and he already has interest of international market, what is he missing? He's missing senior level football. Mm-hmm. So he turned down. This is kind of ha- hasn't happened. But if he proves to do well this year, Phoenix was in the mix. Right. So he turned down, which an MLS drafty generation of dealers, which are some of those, those are guaranteed contracts and pretty, pretty hefty as well to get an opportunity to have a free pass to go play USL championship, play senior level football, get that on his on his CV. So then his agent can now transfer him internationally. Right. Because if he goes to if he gets drafted and he gets and he signs, he's locked in for two to three to four years, depending on what they negotiate. And then he doesn't have the freedom to, to travel. Right. And. Uh, an international team, they're not going to be able to evaluate him in, t- in today's MLS Next Pro Market, right? Because you're going to play traditionally against kids that are even younger than him, and he should be the youngest player on a roster mm-hmm. coming out of college at 19 years old, and he's a freshman, right? He still should be the youngest player on the roster. And you look and, and you look at the, uh, you know, some of the players that USL Championship are signing, they're coming from their growth and success in MLS Next Pro, but they're coming at the 21, 22 years old, Right, because they've already gone through their system, and they're not seeing the opportunity to jump from MLS Next Pro to MLS, so they're coming into USL. I think you're going to see that range shortening a lot. A lot of the college kids that today are either choosing to go to college or choosing to stay with MLS Next Pro, they're going to make the jump to League One or to USL Championship because of that senior-level football atmosphere that they actually get to test themselves to give them a chance to now go over the pond. It's going to be interesting how... That precedent is set in seeing how other players in a similar situation, uh, college, young college stars, uh, will, will make some decisions based on some of the successes or failures of what happens uh, ahead of them. So we, we've talked uh, quite a bit about the soccer on the field and how that d- differentiates itself. So you're almost talking, Mauricio, about three different types of rosters here. You're talking about the uh, twos and Bs, the, the reserve teams for MLS clubs and MLS Next Pro very young. Then you have the independent teams in MLS Next Pro, a little bit older, uh, likely. And then you have older and more experienced still in what's going to happen in in USL Championship. Tony, I guess one of the big questions is, how does that impact the product on the field? And does that make a difference to fans? How much of a difference does that make? Or is it simply wins and losses that are going to get people excited, you know, beyond the, the game day, match day experience? Well, I think only it's like everything. It's experiential, right? Time will tell. Um, I want to see this center back um, with the – I mean, they're the defending champs, right, Phoenix. Um, how's that, How's he going to hold up? Is he, does he walk onto that team? You know, is he? does he dominate? Um, we'll actually get to see him play in uh, – you know, U.S. Open Cup, whereas if he'd have went the other route and been on the B team somewhere, we would never see him play, That's right. you know, and so it's just a real interesting um, dynamic. In this, I don't, I, I hate to change gears, um, but I, I, I want to, in this pod, are we going to talk about the women's side too and the differences, or is that a different pod? 
I, I we can certainly do that. Um, only because oh, I'm sorry, but only because it was just such a huge mm-hmm. week for the Super League this week. Just just asking. No, I'm glad you brought it up because I think that's one. I think we need to bring Becky Burley in okay. to have a deeper conversation about that. Mauricio and I talked about it a little bit on the Sporting Jacks report. You can find that on our YouTube channel. Um, we we touched on it a little bit, but uh, Tony, to your point, massive news last week with the USL Super League being confirmed as a first division league and again we talked about you know first second third division fourth division so forth on the men's side and what that means for the women prior to this year there was only one women's professional fully professional league in the country that was the NWSL so with 14 teams that was it now you've got the USL Super League launching in uh, in August so you'll 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 be adding uh, to that number by 8 and 12 and 16 as, as the, the years come up. Uh, and because of the U.S. Soccer Federation's sanctioning rules, the USL Super League has been confirmed as a first division club. Now, where that's going to make a big impact, I think we're, we're, Mauricio made the point, and I don't want to rehash everything from the from the show, but um, now that it's, you know, there have only been about three or four head coaches named. I think you had a lot of people waiting for that to, to get that number, that first division uh, certification uh, to get that coming in. But now you have two first division teams, uh, rather leagues, in women's soccer in America. One, they'll play opposite seasons, so uh, spring to fall for NWSL, fall to spring for USL Super League. And I think that's going to make a really interesting case study, uh, Tony, to your point about, about how, how these two leagues compete uh, and supplement one another, and and what the expectations are, and a lot of it, the leagues can talk all they want about what they what they're pitching and selling. Ultimately, it's going to come down to what the coaches and the players who decide to sign with those leagues really uh, care about, and 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 which one of those two situations serves them better. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's more soccer in America. This is what's beautiful: is if you're in a you know midside city or a challenger city like Mobile, Alabama, or Daytona Beach, or you know name a a, a, a kind of smaller city, mm-hmm. but um, Pensacola. Pen- yeah, Pensacola. <laughs> maybe, maybe League One in Pensacola. I would love that. Um, but you're. Um, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to open the paper and you're going to have a pro team. It could be a women's team, which would be incredible. I think there's going to be some markets where, you know, we have our first uh, specifically women's soccer built stadium now in, in America. We're going to have um, we're going to have those kind of breakthroughs. And I think that's just uh, if you're a soccer fan in America, what you want, if you're a true soccer person, you want more pro f- football in your town and I think that's the best thing about Super League in addition to all those advantages I think there are advantages especially the calendar which I'm sure you'll talk about with Becky um, but it's a um, it's a real thing in our city big big city biggest city in Florida 12th biggest city in the United States has never had a pro women's anything team and half our city I would say the better half of our city are women, and we have. I would definitely say the better half. Yeah, and so um, we had so many girls that are in high school that have never had a pro athlete role model because we just have never had teams. So I'm I'm really excited about that. So that's the tease to probably next week's edition of the Sporting Pod. We'll get Becky Burley in here to talk about that. Get to more into Becky's um, history and background, and um, uh, she's a, a an amazing story and has been such a a major plus to be part of the Sporting Jacks family as well. So that'll be next week. 
Uh, and well, more to come. If you have a topic that you would like to hear us talk about here on the Sporting Pod, reach out to us on social media. Let us know. We're happy to consider your topics, and uh, we'll have more to come. Be sure to subscribe uh, and share this podcast. You can subscribe on YouTube or on any of the audio platforms where you get your podcasts, Apple, Amazon, uh, Spotify, you name it. Um, and uh, share My, this MySpace. I don't think li- it's on. I don't know. Li- LimeWire. Don't know if we're on LimeWire. Um, and also not on the Atari 2600. No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> too low Too low res on the graphics. Tetris. Uh, but uh, we'll have more as we get going here. A lot of big stories to come, certainly in the next year, in soccer in the world, in America, and right here in Jacksonville as well. For Mauricio Ruiz, Antonio Allegretti, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks so much for listening to The Sporting Podcast.